Hello, hello, and welcome to AMO Kenzoku, episode 14. We are a group of four bubblegum crisis boomer otaku who discuss all topics, anime, manga, and related to uh, otaku culture. Uh, the Kenzoku are myself, Nick, and then we also have Dylan. Hello. Mike. Hey, y'all. And Sam. Hello. And we are recording today's episode on August 4th, 2022. And the topic will be, I guess, the back half of Maiden Abyss. Uh, technically, the follow-up would be the third movie, which is, I believe it's called Dawn of the Dark Soul. Is that right? Dawn of the Deep Soul, I thought. Of the Deep Soul. Well, maybe maybe I'm on the Dark Souls run. Yeah, I believe <laughs> Dawn of the Deep Souls Soul is correct. Um, which plot-wise is basically the direct continuation from uh, season one TV. Although you can also watch the uh, first two movies, which are more or less uh, retellings of season one. I actually haven't watched them, but Sam, you actually recently have watched all three movies, correct? I have, but also I think Dill has actually even watched them more recently than me, and I think Mike started to get through them. Um, yeah, I rewatched the first one uh, and then Dawn of the Deep Soul again today, so I haven't gotten to the second one yet. I'm curious about Dylan's thoughts since he's watched the TV series and then basically immediately went and watched the summary films to see uh, what he caught in there. Yeah, so uh, having watched the films versus the TV, I would say I prefer the TV version to the films for movies one and two. Three is completely separate because that one's obviously completely different content. Um, My reasons being that they didn't really like like they didn't add a much. It wasn't like it was a high budget redo or anything. It was, you know, they already had the animation and everything looked great for TV. So at least as far as I watched it, I didn't see there was like a ton of like reanimated segments or anything like that. Um, They added a few little snippets like to the beginning and the end. Um, There was a couple, a couple things that were cut out. I didn't notice much was different, but I just felt like having the TV episode breaks, even if you're watching like an episode, you know, a couple episodes in a row, it just felt a lot more to me. It felt a lot more impactful watching it that way. And I think it also kind of helped to have the little break with the, you know, slightly lighthearted ending and then the, I'll call it medium hearted opening. Um, So, with the movie, yeah, you cut out a little bit of the recappy parts that they had in the episode, but I just felt that overall, I I preferred watching it TV. The um, the reason to watch it for movie is if you're like, ah, oh, well, I want to watch everything and I don't want those breaks. And the other reason for the doing the movie is that they redid the audio in five one. Um, that being said, these days, frankly, if you have a decent soundbar and stuff like that that's down mixing and doing stuff for you it didn't sound like a noticeably like crazy cool 5-1 mix like going from 2-0 to 5-1 for uh like eva or bebop you know i was i was thinking about as we were talking last time 
I, you guys were talking about the opening and the ending and stuff, and I really did miss that when watching the movie. Um, I think kind of like you say, like the movies is great if you just want to binge. If you want to binge, it's basically great for that. But if you want to like kind of savor it and spread it out over some time, then yeah, definitely watching the episodes individually seems like a really great way to go. Cause the, the ending especially, like I really, uh, again, as we were talking the last time I was re- remembering, I really loved watching, I think it's at the end of the episode when they show the map and you can kind of see where they are. Um, yeah. It's a little fun to see. Oh yeah, where they're, where they're playing that really cool like um, marimba yeah. little little <laughs> segment while showing where they are in the in the abyss. Yeah, yeah. I, I really did. Uh, love seeing that each time because initially it's like there's no progress and then suddenly in the span of three episodes they go down like three three, three levels I want to say so it's you know very stark and you kind of get a a real appreciation for the scope of that journey yeah, they're taking right exactly mm-hmm. yeah as as uh, as somebody who hasn't watched the two compilation movies just kind of hearing you know uh, your general descriptions of them how they don't really add anything I can definitely agree with dylan's take that i personally probably would like to still take it with i mean i guess sam you said the same thing right just watching it paced out with the you know the intermissions and i mean i love the opening and ending song i think they're they're uh great especially the little change they make once nanachi's introduced because then the ending song becomes goes becomes a uh uh sung by all three voice actors versus just rico and uh reg for the first like eight episodes so that was a nice little little you know nugget of of bonus content for, for watching it through TV but at the same time yeah if honest especially for just you know if you want to purchase the series then you know buying the the movie pack is probably the best bang for your buck because you get the entirety basically of of season 1's content plus the the uh third movie so sure that's a good angle to it yeah 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 uh, price per entertainment does probably better for the movie but maybe a better experience to watch the tv show yeah so i mean so aside from the the form factor um for season one being either movie or tv um effectively i mean i guess call it with season 1.5 because i mean technically uh, i think abyss did it before demon slayers but so kind of you know having a theatrical release you know follow up the tv series pretty much uh immediately after right the events that occur in, in the movie are basically as soon as um Rico Reg and Nanachi depart for the next leg of the adventure um when they enter that um that big field of of oh those white flowers whatever I can't remember what they're called I feel so bad but we all know we all know what we're talking about mm-hmm. I'm talking about right the, yeah and then that's that's the you know Reg has one of those little flashbacks and being like you know oh is this is this the place because he keeps having those flashbacks about the white you know, flowers on the white hill and, you know, air, air quotes, you know, burying Liza, which we know now is probably not the truth. Um, and, you know, the movie, for opening scene for the movie, is it, it doesn't pull any punches, right? It starts off quite already, like, active with the, uh, uh, with uh, Bondrude's crony kind of doing his evaluation and then literally just, you know, flash frying the entirety of that area, right? Yeah. Yep. That's the that's the opening six-ish minute segment. Yeah, and it's it's serious enough, but it's not like super heavy. You're just like, oh, okay, all right. This is a already 
or doing stuff, but you're not like left in in tears already. So, um, yeah. Well, I mean, compared to what we saw, you know, back back end of season one, this is you know still kind of a a winding down of uh, from from a huge emotional peak, right? Like you're like, oh, the, yeah, that's kind of gnarly, and yeah, those insects are pretty wild and. You don't want them, you know, touching you, obviously. But other than that, you know, <laughs> no different than any other creature trying to horribly, you know, mutilate. I mean, I guess in, in, at this point, you're lucky if the creature is just trying to mutilate you because those bugs basically like, oh, I don't remember the details. Um, they keep you alive. <laughs> yeah, they yep. keep you alive and like actually like eat you really slowly, right? Yep. <laughs> like, and they, yeah, they go back inside to try, yeah, to try and keep you alive and feed off of you longer and then eventually just burst through your body and again make you like repeat the last things that you were saying right yeah it's... oh man oh that was so yeah scary. they the remind eyes. me more like if you think about them then there's definitely body horror but as far as the level of it it reminds me more of the um what was that first nasty creature that you meet that pretends to be the cry of the thing that it's oh, eating yeah the right, death the... whatever the death reapers i forget the exact name too but right yeah, the ones yeah with it's the weird, like, like more uh, super long tongues yeah. on that level and less on the level of the arm except that those ones were those ones the the level two ones were nice because they just like kind of like waited for you to be dead or kind of just like killed you and then just made you say stuff. Whereas these ones literally just like eat you from inside out and then use your body to try and call over more people and go inside of any orifice they can find like your eye. Right. I, th I think the first one is like a mockingbird, right? Like it mimics the sound, the last sounds that you yeah. made, but yeah. you're actually already long gone. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would take that over the, <laughs> The bugs, I think. Oh, I absolutely just, would. Yeah, not to mention, I mean, that's kind of based in reality, too. Like, there are actually parasites that will, you know, inhabit its hosts for a while before finally, um, you know, er erupting out. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't want to get super gross and, and like, biology fuel, but there's, uh, I, there's, like, a... There's like a a breed of wasp that basically lays its eggs underneath inside of like caterpillars, <clears throat> and once you know once the eggs hatch, they very very slowly consume the caterpillar from the inside, but never any like vital parts, just enough of it to keep you know grow, and then they one day all erupt out of it, and you know <clears throat> you can imagine that National Geographic special <laughs> in David Attenborough's <laughs> yeah. you know soothing narrated voice. Yeah, or what's that one that? messes with the brains of ants oh yeah um it's cordyceps it's a fungus actually it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a fungal infection that's the uh the base for uh last of us the game actually oh, yeah. is is like an extreme version of it but yeah it's uh infects either crustaceans or insects and basically makes them act very erratically to um propagate and of course so. there's rabies rabies in making creatures act irrationally to propagate exactly so i i think some of this stuff is is based in you know it, not all of it is is some the machination of uh of a of a lunatic some of it maybe is based in reality um but yeah so i mean from there the movie actually uh goes 
gets to the point rather quickly, right? I mean, they basically start traversing the uh, the fifth layer and more or less get to Bondrude's, you know, home base within the next, you know, what, handful of minutes of the movie, yep. I want to say. Yep. Yeah. After they yeah, have their it, it... weird sushi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the delicious cotton candy sushi. I thought that's such an interesting thing that they even, they still do it in the movie. And it's like, it's almost like with the little uh, titled subtitles of stuff where it's like, oh, here's, here's, here's Riku sushi. Oh, and it's like, here's how you make it. You go and you take the thing and you make, <laughs> it's like, it's like has this weird little like, like, cooking in the wilds of the abyss interlude that goes on in the middle of like the episodes. You're just like, is this like, are we now in some sort of like weird cooking show where you're telling me how to cook, cook with, with creatures that don't exist. I haven't read the manga, but that feels like the sort of thing that would be like a sidebar or an end of chapter note type thing. Oh yeah, that totally does. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. I like a, like an in-between chapter kind of just like bonus thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally it would be interesting. It's just, yeah, it's I mean, such I've, a funny little thing. I was like, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, it, I, it does kind of add a nice little, you know, bright note before what, you know, I mean, obviously at this point, if you're watching Abyss, I feel like you kind of know something really bad's coming, especially because you, we all know what Bondrood is capable of at this point, right? And, you know, the whole, the first, I feel like, major kind of point of anxiety for viewers is like you know after all these well we actually don't know how long but after a period of time nanachi's coming back to you know the place that you never thought they would want to go back to again right so yeah i mean he doesn't seems like he doesn't want to go there either really (laughs) well yeah right but i know but i mean at that point um is it at that point that nanachi explains the the only known like path to the sixth level is is through that base is that is that revealed at that point Yeah. yeah yep so, you know, like it or not, they're going to have to encounter Bondrude is what he was saying, right? Like, no matter what, we're going to have to encounter him. So Yeah, though that it requires a white whistle isn't yet known. No. Right. Because that's revealed by Bondrude, is yep. that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's so, correct. And it's fairly... Quickly, too. Yeah, fairly shortly after they get there. And yeah, Bondrude's kind of like, okay, yeah, by the way, you have to have like your white whistle and so why don't you go take a nap it's fine yeah <laughs> yes i'm totally not going to start dissecting your friend that would be um, weird <laughs> yeah be- before we get to the to, to the dismemberment of reg um let's let's touch on pushka a little bit right is it pushka it was pushka Pr- right pushka yeah Prush- pushka pushka with a yeah. with an r right pushka yeah. uh Bondrude's daughter, right? I mean, that's how she, you know, introduces herself anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I that definitely. I mean, obviously, I saw the cover of of the movie beforehand, so, so I knew that something was up with this character. But you know, it it's kind of a shock, right? Because you're expecting to be, you know, thrown into this really kind of dystopic and you know, um, miserable setting, but you suddenly see this very bright you know, energetic, a very almost Rico-like character, you know, come come out of nowhere, right? It, it, it is also a dark and dystopic setting, right? Like, But she just also happens to be there. Yeah. Right, especially when you see what, um, <laughs> what her origins actually are. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was really sad. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that's that's like the sing- that's like that's like the single phrase you can use to describe a bit. Put it right? on the box. Yeah. That's yeah, just right. that's just really it's really sad. That's really it has to be like this dot 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 sigh. That's really sad. <laughs> oh, and but it, it, so it, it, it's. It's kind of like the initial, you know. I, I want to say it in the same scene, right? You you see her, and then very very immediately after, Bond dude actually makes his appearance, right? Like he yeah, pretty yeah, pretty much sh- walks up right behind her. He shows up with the Bond with the Bond dudes and his uh, Bond dudes, yeah. <laughs> and his, his posse, yeah, aka his replacements. The care and it's one of these things again. None of us have read the manga yet. I'm sure we will get to it at some point. But like the character design for. Bond Rude and the Bond Dudes is like it's so cool because like agreed they are super expressive while having like no face somehow like his face is just this vertical purple line and yet you're absolutely just completely terrified by him yeah Mm -hmm. so actually I'm glad you brought that up Dylan so that actually I think is the reason why they were able to do it so well is because that that method of of you know gesturing and acting actually has existed in Japanese media for over decades now because Sentai did it before anything else. And I know this and masked wrestlers do it. Yeah, too. Definitely. But with Sentai, you literally are having to, you know, communicate with, with your face completely covered. So there's a lot of head nodding and extreme gestures. Obviously Bondrude's gestures are much more slow, but still he makes very broad gestures with his hands, right? He spoke he spoke with his hands a lot because, mm. you know, as a he can't see his face, he can't see his mouth move. So, you know, there's a lot of of and that's also the tone of his voice, right? Like he had oh, yeah. such a soothing, disarming voice, which made him so eerie, right? Like you're like, yeah. how is this how is this dude so calming to be around when we know for fact he is absolute monster right like as far as we've seen in this show literally the most you know has committed the biggest atrocities in the show by far right yeah and and going going back on the mask thing i was just thinking further that like don't you get more of the same and i probably screw up one about like kabuki and like no theater where like they wear a mask for the performance as well you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that form of acting already kind of is is ingrained in Japanese culture. So yeah. I'm wondering if that was kind of a base for Bondrud because it, it I think it also adds to his character, right? If you can't see his face and his expressions, you can't read him. I mean, that's how like you read 90% of a person's body language, right? Is through their face and their expressions. So if you can't see that and you're strictly limited to the voice and the hand gestures, which are all again very slow and almost, you know, elegant looking, it's very, dis- it's like disarming, right? You kind of slowly begin to, to almost, like, I, it worked on me. I start. I actually was trusting him initially, considering, mm-hmm, like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe, because, you know, he sees Nanachi, and he's like, oh, you, you finally, you know, he's very calm, and, you know, he's like, oh, Nanachi, welcome home, you know, he's like, welcome back, not, like, nothing ever happened, and you think, oh, yeah, he's, he's, maybe, maybe he's not such a bad guy, and, and I, I actually was foolish enough to think that for the first <laughs> 10 minutes. Yeah, and, and you can you, know. you can see that Nanachi like kind of gets goes back and forth on that mm-hmm. too, and um, I mean it's definitely like it is definitely certainly in the Japanese it's helped by the voice actor of Toshiyuki Morikawa who's crazy good who's did uh, Griffiths and Berserk mm-hmm. and 
you know, like not, I mean, not literally, literally they're like, like the same. They're like the same character. You know, they, in some <laughs> like ways, is, they yeah. are similar. He where is. yeah, it's, it's this very charming. You know, Griffith is more of like this charming sociopath. Definitely. Whereas I think Vondrude is. I think Vondrude may be just like the most evil character that I've ever seen, like, in a thing. I would, I would say Sociopath describes Bondrude very well, too, because in, remember in S1 when his one of his cronies is like, sir, these are still children, even if they are orphans. And he's like, oh, don't worry. I don't see these as human at all, is what he says. Yeah, that so is that is a that's, very... That's a very sociopathic thing to say, I feel. Yeah. And yet he has a fantastic memory for all of them. Yeah. yeah, that part I think makes it even creepier. It it was interesting. Yeah. The way he he I almost felt like he didn't really have because of his weird mind relic that basically keeps cuz he's basically dead, right? Like it, Well, right, that's his whistle, right? His whistle is his original body is what he more or less said. Right. Yeah. But so his original body is dead it turned into his own whistle, which is which is mind blowing, um, <laughs> but it it left me for the feeling at the end of the movie that like he's he's just like his, his himself is gone, like his ego is dead, and so he's just l- like a machine living out kind of like his last what he was doing when he died, and that's why he just kind of doesn't care about stuff. Yeah, in that sense, he is kind of like some of the nastier types of undead that you run into in fantasy universes. Yeah, you know, I f- I feel like it was his answer to being able to continue his research indefinitely because the kind of research he's doing in real world, I mean, th- that's decades of of work up up upwards of a century probably to figure out the nuances of the abyss that he's trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. And if he really wants to be the discoverer, he needs a way to, you know, shed his mortal, you know, mortal sleeve and basically, you know, be able to and and that relic he he what it was it was interesting. It was almost a uh an afterthought in the scheme. It was used as a mechanism to induce conflict, but they ended up not doing anything with it in the movie, really, right? Like, Rico found it, but she never did anything to it. Yeah, they deliberately chose not to, I think, at the end. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they intentionally decided to let it, basically let Bondrude live, right? Because the re- more or less, the re- that relic was Bondrude's consciousness, yeah. basically. Yeah, and that so. was that was Riku. They were very we're kind of jumping all over the place here, which I think is fine. But that was that they literally say that that was um, Riku's decision to let him stay there and do whatever. And I'm just kind of like, uh, I'm like, well, how how long before he goes back to kidnapping busloads of children and turning them into cartridges again? Oh God. <laughs> Not much at all, but that tells you that Riku kind of has a bit, an abyss sense of morality to an extent. I mean, she's grown up around horrific things and thinks they're somewhat normalized. That's that is true. They they definitely have a you know we're all children of the the culture that we grow in, and there theirs is a culture of just expected death. In some ways, Regu is kind of like the He's almost Regu's kind of like the the 
stranger in a strange land where he comes in with like this almost like naive morality to him or like at the beginning of the back jumping back the beginning of the third movie in the in the field when um he hears the the voices in the field and he he again goes he's almost about to like jump out big i'm gonna go help him then he's like uh i mean i'm gonna check and be careful and stuff and then Achi's like yeah you're not gonna help him yeah. And I mean that's why Nanachi works so well to fill out this this party, right? Nanachi is the rational, strategic, cautious, capable one that pretty much has seen it all, like, and done more than Nanachi is comfortable with by far. Yeah, I mean definitely, right? And that's revealed. I and you know one, I guess I, we are jumping back and forth a lot, but I mean at this point, who cares? We're we're just talking about parts that we enjoyed. But you know, early on where. You know, when Nanachi meets Bondrude again, you can the way the the lines are acted out and the expressions and the micro expressions that Nanachi has, it's very obvious to me that those are signs of you know somebody who is re, is encountering their abuser again, yeah. and it's all you, the the mental trauma is already starting out. Like the simple fact that Bondrude exists and is communicating is already like causing that trauma for Nanachi and. <laughs> So, you know, it's initially the inference is that, oh, it's just because, you know, of the experiment. But then you realize that it was actually after the experiment with Mitty that Nanachi's real trauma began, right? Because Nanachi basically became the the go- the gopher for all the all the kids to be uh, to, to go through. The, yeah, yeah, to go through the conversion therapy. Right. So, yeah. I think, yeah, so... Um, it does make Nanachi's own graveyard and experiments back at their place also make more sense in context. Definitely, yeah, for sure. That's actually a great point, Mike, yeah. Because you you, you were thinking initially, like, wow, why was how did Nanachi even know to try any of this stuff to Mitty to, like, well, you know, help? She was, she was, <laughs> she was trying to kill Mitty, so... Yeah, but like she was doing it, he but Nanachi was doing it in a real methodical way, right? Like a very scientific way, sure. in in a sense. So you're now you're that that does I think Mike brings up a point that it was kind of already inferring that Nanachi was basically you know Bondru's protege, force forcefully became Bondru's protege, right? Mm. So I thought that was. Really interesting, and then you know you get to the uh, so let's let's re, let's rewind a bit and back to the the beginning scene with Bondrud. So you know everybody's welcomed in, and they're taken to their you know to their uh, to their accommodations for the night. And literally, but, but he couldn't even wait one night, right? He literally abducts Reg and immediately begins having his 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 Bondrudes doing the vivisection. Yeah, like that whole segment was Oof, yeah that was rough really yeah really <laughs> yeah. tough to watch right like trying to you know see how long his arms are and then you know trying to remove it and they're like oh none of the blades work all right let's use the light and you literally you know the the noise that and the just the reaction that reg had was just you know again more phenomenal um voice acting by the cast but just you, that that just reaffirmed, you know, that really kind of made my stomach sink. Just reaffirmed, like, yeah, I shouldn't have ever trusted that this guy. Like at this point on, he is, you know, public enemy number one. Yeah. In everybody's eyes, right? Even in in some ways, even potentially even in push in Prushka's eyes, right? Because 
um, when they uh, when when Regis is uh, you know just a, is getting through, and then they all you know find the lab, and Pushka is like, "What are you guys doing? You know, you, you, I'll tell my dad. I'll tell my dad about this." And then she realizes that you know her, her dad is the one that basically instructed them to do that. So yeah, uh, ju- and just before that scene where you're just kind of feeling like, okay, things are weird. Everyone's kind of split. And then where Nanachi, where, um, Bondrud asked Nanachi to, to go work and Nanachi's like, okay, like I'll stay and I'll work for you. You just, you can't hurt them. And then Bondrud gives this. Oh, <laughs> Oops. Yeah. The, oh, oh to, to, to. he has like all the, he has like <laughs> these little sounds and you're just like, Oh, it is. I think that's and like this. I really like the translation too of like, he's like, do, do, do. he's just like, whoops, mm-hmm. like, and it's just so. Uh, I just find that line is just like the most like chilling line in the whole thing because you're kind of like, okay, maybe maybe things aren't like gonna go like we're not gonna be great, but maybe things aren't gonna go like horribly. And then we just says, you know, don't hurt him. He's like, whoops. I was just like, oh, God, what is happening? Do you get the feeling that he wouldn't have, like, if Nanachi had agreed before, earlier, like, that he wouldn't have done it? Like, he's, he seems like he's evil, but does he? Not deceptive. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's deceptive. he he's not deceptive, but at the same time, he also never like is fully upfront. Yeah, he's not he's not deceptive, but he's not transparent either. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, he's like he never. He's like lawful. He's he's lawful evil. Very much so, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. But like, uh, but very heavy emphasis on the evil. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like I I just I, I can't think of a. I don't know. I may maybe one of Toshiki Morikawa's other characters, Griffiths, might be as evil as bondrood but i think it's one of those things too where because it's a bunch of like 12 year old 12 to 14 year old kids but as opposed to at least at least with griffiths it was a bunch i'm not really at least with griffiths it was like an army of adults yeah but they were all his best friends yeah it's so bad Harry How, Cowboy, you're you're just you're just a bad bad man. He's he's a really really. I mean, quite literally, <laughs> he plays some of the truly scummiest characters, and I say this in the most endearing way because oh, I yeah. mean, let's be real. Like, how many? How big is the fan base around Griffith still? Right? Like, obviously, guts is. It, Guts is the main character, but I mean, you know, this isn't a Berserk oh. podcast, but yeah, I mean, we, we can't escape it if there's, you know, if it's related. I, I mean, I, I feel like there are a lot of parallels between the two properties, to be honest. And then uh, he's also uh, um, Sephiroth. He's he's Sephiroth's oh, voice. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And you're like, I oh, mean, quite... right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about uh, sociopathic. Yeah. So yeah, he's uh he's he's only been a few a few of those like of the most I don't know. I mean Griffiths and Sephiroth Griffiths and Sephiroth, yeah, they're two of the most like iconic characters that like have like transcended like just plain old like otaku culture where like you could probably show Sephiroth or like hear the voice to a bunch of like boring people and they'd be like, Oh, I know that dude, that dude's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, and I think you bring a good point in that. Can, is there another voice actor that could have done Bondrude? 
as as well then i probably not right i mean no i don't think so i, I think they got i think they got the right person yeah um, i mean but it, it, it's his his little his little sounds where he says he says the old told to there and then there's another one it makes very similar like throughout the throughout the thing it's this very like just this very disarming little sound i forget exactly what it is but it's it's something very it's a very similar phonetic thing he's like he's like oh and you're just like he's like this very yeah just this disarming he's so even keel even during the middle of combat right like he doesn't sound like he's exerting himself like it's he's almost always in the same state of of um calmness even even in the midst of you know life or death combat which we find out quickly is less life or death for him because he kind of gets a reset button pretty much every time so even though technically the the body does you know um crap out on him as long as you know his relic is around he could just transfer his consciousness to his next crony yeah he kind of has the detachment of someone doing a tool assisted speed run say <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's 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 basically tassing it yeah he's he's the task bot and then you know so that you know after the the reg you know incident and you know their attempted escape and the you know forthcoming battle that's where you kind of get the first in- indication of just how capable uh nanachi is right because they came up with i mean granted it was strategy all three of them came up but i think the 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 bulk of it was was constructed by nanachi where they would you know fight bondrude and basically reg would drop him down into that into that lake below, below into the sixth level where where it crosses the sixth level. Well, and you then, had the scorpion pit first to add right. or that strategy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's that's a lot true. of there's a lot of really yeah they ever had a very you know and as Vondred very calmly as he's kind of dying not really but like at the end where he's just like oh you know what I have a new goal supporting you because you guys are so great you're just he's like oh you're just so awesome like ah oh, you know this was such a fun battle. And you really pushed me to my limits. And I could see that you were all thinking and executing things just like so perfectly. You're just such a great team. I really support you. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> You're just like, and then Nachi's like, I, I, I can't even win with you when we've beaten you. Like, what in the hell? Like, I think that's his lawful evil thing. He's like, well, my morality says that the people who are better crush those who are weaker and you proved you're better than me. So you have the right to do what you want. Yeah. And that's what makes him so eerie, right? There's never any malice in anything he says. Like mm-hmm. it obviously hit there's there. It shows in his actions, but never in his, his demeanor or his voice. Like it's always so calm, so, which is why the entire time in the movie, I keep thinking like, you know, is he really that bad? And then I'm constantly reminded. Yes. Yes, he is really that bad. Because then, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, we're jumping up a bit, but not, you know, the next kind of major thing after that, um, that fight outside in the ice is, you know, what well, they find out one that he basically is more than just his body at that point, because, you know, they saw what happened with, you know, the crony coming up, putting on his helmet and basically turning into, you know, Bondrude, whatever, 7.0. I mean, who knows how many he's gone through at this point. Um, and then the, uh, I, some of the details in between kind of are lost on me. I think probably, uh, Mike and Dylan can fill in some of the gaps since you guys have most, most recently watched it. 
And then at some point they get to the part where they get, they're in one of the the labs and Reg, Reg and uh, uh, Nanachi are in one of the labs and Nanachi kind of spills the I guess spills the guts on what cartridges actually are. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when they're following her, the name the little critter is escaping me at the moment, looking for Purushka. Right, right, right. Uh, Mania. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. The the abyss that the the abyss creature that can see the curse, right? More or less, is how it's described. And apparently, its scent is at least somewhat helpful with carrying that on, or passing that on a bit. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and yeah, it's one of those things. Like at that point, like we don't know and we just it, it's the thing of this show that that movie it's so well structured where like every bit it kind of brings you down a little bit and gives you just just a glimmer of hope you're like maybe maybe Prushka's okay yeah yeah you're like <laughs> you're like maybe maybe she's okay like maybe she really is just kind of asleep and like he hasn't like done something terrible yet but by that but time you had the marking on the chart before that it's there was the you hint, can toss all of these bits. I, it's that's the thing. You know, they they give you a little thing to bring you down. And you're like, oh, but they don't show you right there that she's been cartridgeized, which is just the most horrific thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you before um, that, you're like, well, yeah, maybe she like maybe she put in a robot body, or maybe she's like, she's or maybe a, they didn't quite do it yet, or something. You're like, yeah. they they just leave you. They leave you that that little gap of that that scrap of hope. Nope. Sorry. Brain in a briefcase. It's so. Uh... That with the, the cartridges thing, uh, at the end of the movie, I think, um, Rico is able to like see or, or kind of connect with Prushka in the case. It seemed I like. believe it was because Menya was, um, was kind of crying at it. And then I, and then I think that's when Rico realized what, what had happened. And at that point, and, and I guess I'm glad you bring this up, Sam. So this kind of brings up the point of how one acquires a white whistle, right? You basically have to sacrifice something incredibly important to you. Well, but, but before we go, more or less what it's inferred, where you go there, I thought that there was there was some a little bit more of a connection there, and or was there not? Was that just kind of because I was reminded of um um back with Miti and um Rico at the time. Oh yeah, I totally I I get what you're saying, and I totally agree. I think they definitely formed a very deep connection very at, quickly. But well, no, I'm wondering if that, like the, does that imply that like is that hinting at some something of Rico's like some ability of hers? Some some peculiarity, uniqueness. Probably because she's a child of the abyss. Mm, yeah, she has this. She has that. I mean, she is the rare. She is the oddity, right? She yeah. she died in the abyss and came back right. in the abyss. So and I think that born in the abyss, right? Born, died, and then and then resurrected in the abyss. Yeah. Um. So I totally would not be surprised if that is kind of an, like an innate ability she has. Um, and 
you know, it's not without trade-off, right? Like she has, she's severely nearsighted because of the abyss. Well, and she's that's... not nearsighted. She gets headaches if she takes the glasses off, but oh, is she that can what see is? fine without them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yep. that's, I think that's, is that unique to the movies? No. Is... I feel like they said that in TV. No, they did. Okay. They, they mentioned it in okay. TV. I just forgot. Um, um, I forget, yeah, but when, uh, with Bonder does say Prushka when, when he spits out her cartridge. Like, he says it, so it's yeah. not just, it's not implied. Like, he's literally like, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, R- but Rico wasn't there. She was. She was still doing her mission. Was she there? I th- no, she, she was, was behind really yeah, hiding was... with the gun. Oh, yep. yeah, gun you're hand. right. And then you see her reaction. Yes, yep. yes, yes. She yes, was yes, already mm-hmm. there hiding. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah, yep. but you're right. I mean, she knew who it was, but I thought that there was some, I, I it's obviously, I'm, yeah, I there's it in a while, a but I thought bit there was of a connection. Well, the connection was probably there in part because of the white, you know, Prushka becoming her white whistle. Like, the bond between the white whistle and their white whistle is interesting, and we don't really know much about it yet, but it's there's obviously something beyond just an object there. Mm-hmm. Um. I think maybe we're getting at it's like it was kind of like it was it was and it was directly shown to be like a similar thing to what happened with Mitty and and Nanachi when they went up the elevator um, <laughs> uh that they had that connection there, and so it was a similar thing with with uh Prushka being there and she was already taking on like the super curse from Bondrude inside of her uh container and then as she was dying there she you know kind of gave her further of further her connection to Riku and uh concentrated all of her remaining bits into into the white whistle so so just to kind of explain so if i recall in order to even like i for lack of a better term qualify to become a cartridge you kind of have to have had formed a very close bond with somebody right like that's kind of was was the conditionals if i recall yeah they because it's basically kind of like a a, a, a like a compartmentalized version of that, as you call it, the elevator that Bondrude made in season one, right? Where and and he finds a way basically to force the curse into the cartridges instead of himself while doing his doing whatever he does. I thought that the the bond was what you know it was like the he was. I thought he didn't need the the bond for the cartridge to work but what he was searching for was a bond because he needed the you know and it sounds corny but the the love the real love there to be able to have the to to get the blessing right as he called it i think that you might be right there yeah and i was kind of i was trying to think about that that might that might be right there and that the cartridge even without the deep connection like worked to kind of absorb the the curse, but yeah, that he needed the connection to get the Nanachi Mitty effect, which is where he's still in the armor stuff. But as he comes up, having discarded two others, and then Prushka, he is 
underneath the armor, but he's is looking kind of like a crazy demon version of Nanachi because he's like all furry mm-hmm. and has True. his creepy claws that he then puts right into. Ugh. Ugh, that that was so odd. Yeah. Oh, that that final battle scene. I mean, we didn't even talk about the animation for oh, that. Yeah. Like, ooh, oh yeah. Oh man. I. You know, the show has relatively little action up until that point, but it's not because they were incapable of doing it. It's that they wanted to, you know, make it impactful, right? And talk about impactful battles. I mean, you know, Reg kind of unlocking his his next level of combat. We caught, we discussed this on the first step of this, uh, this this dual podcast, right? Where he kind of figures out that if he kind of spins his his wire arm around, you know, like a cage, he can basically, you know, unlock an even higher level of combat without relying on his incinerator, right? Although that even that saying that like he figures out implies that there's a more a conscious thing going on there, and it, it's almost like some primal thing in him awakens and he. Right, because we didn't even oh, talk about almost, the whole like dark reg segment. Yeah, right? yeah, said that there were multiple. Didn't he say something like there were many people bouncing around in there? And yep, he said. Yeah, he says there's one like took him over. Yep. Uh, yep. I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna go to another show that has a kind of, I think, kind of a similar thing, there is um, my hero. Academia has the thing with uh, oh yeah with the thing with where he kind of like yeah looks back into the with history of all. the one for all, um, but yeah you you see a couple frames of like and I'm still not sure what it is where it, I can't tell if it's like a different version of like Reg or something in there but you see a couple frames of something and it's like you get this impression of it being like someone else in there somehow but i don't know what it is yet yeah i think they intentionally leave that part cryptic yeah Yeah, it's definitely aggro mode red it's reminds me of like when alucard removes all restrictions oh yeah and what or uh or, or or in helsing yeah oh yeah or when uh asuka does code of the beast oh yeah yeah code of the beast or I guess I was Mari first. Mari yep, did it Mari first. does it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar. Yeah, and yeah, they definitely used all used all of their animation. Yeah, so it really stands out so much there in those in the fights because yeah, because they, you know, obviously it's very well done throughout, and uh, but yeah, that animation really stands out where they when they put it in there. Um. And then, you know, and just kind of go with it. And it's like, and then the movie's over. And then it's literally just like, there's, there's like no like long resolution. It's pretty much like whistle, blow. All right, let's go. Done. Though it's interesting. I'm not sure how much to read into the, the por- portal rejects Nanachi at first oh, yeah, almost and then mm-hmm. yeah bounces up before like uh, I think Rico re- pulls out and drags drags Nanachi in just mm-hmm. at just at the end yeah. yeah that's a good point um I can't tell if that was just like for comedic you know kind of a mild mild comedic effect thing because it wasn't like she got super bounced she was kind of like sticking to it but wasn't really going through mm-hmm. it also say oh well like Riku went in first and then by that time maybe the whistles effect had like lessened or something because it looked Actually, like Rank the little creature out, but... jumped in first oh that's uh, true yeah Manu, Manu jumped in first yeah 
but so. most likely because Menya is a creature from that level of the abyss, so yeah. it, it can come and go as it pleases, most likely. Maybe, yeah. but that's purely speculation. I mean, it could just be because you know they wanted wanted it to make it happen. I mean, you can Deus Ex Machina yeah. it all you want at this point. Once you get to this level of the abyss, I feel like your ability to make up random stuff goes up goes up considerably because why not? I mean, you got to make more and more wild scenarios. So um, I haven't watched any of of season two yet, so I can't say for certain. Same. But we can save that for it. Picks up right exactly where the movie leaves off. That's all I'm going to say on the subject. That's that's kind of what I thought because it wouldn't make sense for them to do otherwise. So especially since it seems like thus far they're sticking pretty close with the with the uh, original uh, uh, comic. So. I do appreciate, though, that, like, with the Abyss, like you say, they can basically deus ex machina, kind of whatever they want. And and they, they're able to do that for a plot effect at times, you know, like, uh, and, and that's fine. It's nothing, like, major. They're not breaking any super rules of the Abyss that they've set up or anything like that. Um, they're, all, they're still pretty respectful of the universe, which I appreciate. Yeah, I totally agree. And any corollaries they add it's more because so the abyss is just so not understood yeah. at a deep level mm-hmm. like the existence of menya right like menya and you know would almost feel like as a rule breaker but it's just more like not much even inferred it there's there are creatures that can see the curse and can navigate it and that's why they're okay moving up and down the levels because they understand how to navigate through it well, and they With show that, that was actually kind of interesting. Like they show like Nanachi's vision, and they show that like she can, like that Nanachi can see the like see the curse waves, kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even gave that really good explanation in season one, right? Yeah. On kind of how it works with that big sheet thing. Yeah. <laughs> so and why you know ascending it too quickly is like breaking through, and that's why the curse gets dumped on you all at once. Where if you navigate through it more, you know deftly then you the effects are little to none do you love her taking that that relic from the deep and just to give reg a demonstration she just rips holes in it <laughs> <laughs> one of a kind relic <laughs> watch me destroy it just to give you a lesson i well, mean no real value to what value is a relic to something to a hollow right i mean like, sure, sure. raiders so it's it's relatively meaningless to i mean nanachi in a sense has basically already lost the, the most important thing and and in the world right yeah. at this point in the story True. so what what's a what's a, a random relic this, this is or two through my raider's eyes i see yeah fair, fair. <laughs> through, through your you know black whistle eyes. yeah <laughs> what's i think a thing i just kind of thought of too that's like so interesting is like outside of the way way back thousands of meters up at the seeker camp that's the last time we see any alive um, raiders that no, not are, true. Yeah, there's no? that one random one in, that was uh, got encountering the orb oh, weaver or the orb true, and they saved it. Yeah, orb piercer. Yeah, and they saved him. That is true. There and was one. Rex said, "Can you return a message to the orphanage?" That's and right. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that so. was the one other time you see a living. Uh, uh, that guy yeah, totally looked I... like he got lost somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> that guy looks totally looks like freaking like like freaking like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of <laughs> zoiked, zoiked his way down into the abyss and was like, "Uh oh!" Yeah, <laughs> as he 
Zoink, Shag, I fell down that cliff into the abyss. (laughs) (laughs) And then miraculously gets saved by, you know, uh, a triple S plus tier. What are they they called? Albads? The the super, super rare relics. That's what they're calling Rag at this moment, an Albad. So, So. okay. So here, I have so many more questions. Um, So... Seeing as how Liza is kind of promoted as like the white whistle, that's like, you know, the heroic We've white only whistle. We've seen the good sides of her, though. So how does Here, she? There are bad sides of her from descriptions, like that she's an absolute mess out of the abyss. So how does she get her white whistle? I'm wondering right. how everyone gets their white whistle. Yeah, like how yeah. did Ozen? How did Ozen get hers? Yeah. Like, Ozen, I find more believable getting one, because I could see Ozen being someone who, I don't know, like, had some connections or something and got it. But it's also in those things, it was kind of interesting, too, in the movie, they they say as well that, like, if you blow your, like, white whistle, it doesn't, it's, its purpose is not just to take the last dive. They say that it also, like, brings out the true nature of relics. Yeah, that that's why Ozen was able to open up the giant cube, the resurrection mm-hmm. cube, because oh, it's right. yep. it it synergized with with her whistle, and yeah, that was kind of one of the first instances of seeing something really gnarly in the abyss from the abyss, right? Like that was definitely super weird, and I mean that relic is so considered so valuable that. I, I want to say the general knowledge, like the, the, that, the knowledge about that relic is not like put into any text. It's like one of those mm-hmm. that only the white whistles talk about to each mm-hmm. other. Or one of the ones yeah. that was lost. Cause obviously like Ozen's keeping it. Right. As a resurrection stone. Um, Though it was Liza's property, I believe. Well, cause it had, <laughs> had her daughter. Like, in didn't it. Ozen say that Liza bought it at auction before it became public or something like that? Mm, or before it. it went up for auction? There was something I don't think like, it ever went to auction. There was something around it, that, Mike, that you're saying. I don't remember. I don't remember really? exactly. Because, this, but yeah, there I was, thought that was considered one of those that was just so rare and dangerous that it couldn't be let out into the general public is kind of what I understood. I guess maybe they could have bought it to keep it out of the public. Oh, yeah, maybe that's true, too. Because, I mean, imagine how, the like, you can't quantify the value of something like that, right? Oh, it can bring back the dead. Like, yeah. how the hell do you evaluate something like that? Right. Yeah, res- yeah, Resurrection Stone. You know, it's all, Resurrection Stone is always one of the, you know, like, Harry Potter, the Resurrection Stone. One of the three, you know, magical treasures. Mm-hmm. A very monkey as, paw as in- sort of Resurrection Stone, though. Yeah. Yeah, there or like a philo- but... Philosopher's Stone in uh, FMA, right? Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Um, uh, a thing that I'm not super surprised. I was just kind of looking through the director for for Made in Abyss, and uh, amongst a whole bunch of other stuff that that he's been involved in, ones that kind of popped up. I was like, oh, it kind of makes sense. It, like he was the director of uh, Master Keaton and Monster. Mm. Oh wow! And particularly, like I I haven't seen Monster. I've read most of the manga. It's been quite a while, but that's one that definitely has. Some of that same vibe of the just uh, dread. I don't know. I don't know the word to describe it, but 
I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, Monster yeah. is considered to be a, a seinen like, masterpiece, right? I oh, mean, yeah, definitely. It's, it's considered to be one of the all-time best. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, okay, that, like, seeing, like, Monster and, like, Master Keaton's, like, a really, another really cool... Yeah, Master Keaton's awesome. Uh, one that way. But those are two, those two that start, and I'm like, okay, all right, I can kind of see where that person, having done those, can... Uh, Related. They've done plenty of other random, a million other random things over the decades, but um, back to apparently he was a storyboardist on Southern Cross. So Oh, wow. Goes way back. Wow. Yeah, yeah, been around industry. a while. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I didn't, I was, with the title Maiden Abyss, I totally, I only applied it to Reg. I totally didn't even think about it until we were having this discussion Rico. that it completely applies to Rico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as well yeah, yeah they wow. both were made in made they both were made in the abyss well, as was not well, really yeah as actually, was not yeah. Ichi. i mean yeah nanachi as we know nanachi definitely as was yeah. prushka uh yeah. yeah oh god we didn't even get into the origins of prushka just <sighs> the 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 screams that she made when she was still feral was just again just another example of just phenomenal voice acting in this property right that was the thing i didn't quite understand on her origin was it just like that i I couldn't quite tell was it like she was brought down there and kind of up and she just literally the journey down there just destroyed her even without like going up at all that was what i I was oh okay maybe i need to rewatch my i was under the impression that she was a child that was born in there and abandoned right didn't they say she was one of his Whatever they're the bond dudes, yeah, but the actual kids. but like an actual bond dude, yeah, yeah, they did, and that she just like couldn't basically just like couldn't take being down there for whatever reason and just was completely falling apart and didn't even make a good raw material to cartridgeize at the time or something it seemed it took like. it was a, it took a long time to cultivate right yeah. <laughs> clearly yeah, yeah, man. Dad of the Year Award, Bondred. Yeah, bond, <laughs> Bondred Best Dad. Number one. Just, just need to get, I think we need to get some mugs made with like Bondred on it with like his arms stretched out wide and says like number one dad. <laughs> Yikes. Oh. I, oh my goodness. I feel like we could, you know, keep going over the, I mean, we, we kind of, par- we kind of go- glanced over the back half of the movie, but I mean, it, it holds up to the rest of the property, right? Like, I, I don't think the the movie um, was any would would be like inferior to the TV or or vice versa. I feel like it just they they both complement each other perfectly mm-hmm. because, again, you know, plot wise, they, uh, they I mean they're sequential to the source material. Um, but yeah, I, I again we can go on for forever, but I think uh, we should probably try to wrap up our our thoughts on Maiden Abyss, at least through the movie three. Um, yep, we'll be back for the I, season two. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, which segues us to what our uh, next episode topic will be, which will, I guess, at this point, be the middle of summer season 2022 evaluation. Yeah. Um, because obviously summer is always a very busy and time for anime season, so there's there's a lot more. I, I want to say almost twice as many shows as any other season, so quite a bit to watch. But uh, 
I guess any final thoughts from the Kenzoku on Made in Abyss thus far? Uh, let's start with Mike. Um, still just thinking, trying to figure out how the other white whistles got their whistles. I hope that gets revealed later, because it would be interesting. Definitely a good point. Uh, I feel like Liza should be the last to be revealed, if anything. If if it's revealed. Yeah. So sometimes some mysteries are best left at just yeah. just that. So uh what about you, Sam? Um Yeah, boy, just fantastic movie, a great follow up to the T V series, obviously. Um, um I did wonder maybe I missed this, but Nanachi kept talking about Bondrude being able to see through her eyes or read her mind um yep see through her literally see through her eyes so but not here not here yep but why how like i didn't get how did they ever explain that probably the same device that slash relic that gives him the taking over bodies ability what wait what i didn't i thought that was hmm but why only Nanachi then? Like, I don't know. They don't explain it, I guess, is the point. Derek. No, like, they don't. You can guess, but... No, they don't. No. But that is that is true, and that's why um, when... And I caught it the second time watching, when Riku finds the Zootopia thing, <laughs> she says, oh, I see I, I see that thing. And, and Nanachi's like, definitely don't show me that, because what Riku found was she found Greg's arm Yep, and so she's like, "You can't show me his arm, because then mm-hmm. he'll know that you have the other mm-hmm. arm." Right. Fascinating. So maybe they'll maybe it'll come up later. I don't know. I thought that was an maybe. interesting thing to not to leave there. True. All right, Dylan. Any closing thoughts? Uh, yeah. When you're watching movie three, make sure to watch it early enough in the night so you have time to watch something silly afterwards. Else, you're just gonna go to sleep just <laughs> completely falling apart. What I did. Tonight after watching it was I watched uh, like the first half of Class Action Park, which is a documentary on HBO Max about this just insane water park in the 70s. And I was just busting up and it really helped. So that's my suggestion. Oh, Action uh, Park in New Jersey. I've yep. heard of that place. <laughs> yep. There's, an, there's a cool documentary on uh, on HBO Max, Class uh, Action Park. I, I, so. I, I thought you were, I thought you were going to say you watched uh, the first half of Sugoyo Masada Zone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's an inside joke. Maybe we'll explain one day. Um, <laughs> as for me, uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, season one, obviously stellar, one of my all-time favorites. I I honestly thought it would be near impossible to follow up. The movie honestly uh, followed it up perfectly. So, yeah. Uh, if you're, I mean, I mean, if you've listened to this, I assume that you've watched it as well because we basically spoiled it all. <laughs> so if not, uh, it's still worth watching. Don't let our, uh, our verbal description of it... Um, be all you know about Made in the Abyss. Watch it. It's really is truly phenomenal. All time great. And greatly looking forward to season two as it progresses through the summer. Uh, so with that, uh, I will be closing out this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. And Sadaba. Sadaba.